Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. My name is Cosmos Dar, and this is Extraordinary America. What is Extraordinary America? Well, you see, America has always been about freedom, opportunity, and the pursuit of happiness. However, most Americans are not free when it comes to the financial front. Most Americans are suffering from financial slavery due to loss of jobs, stagnant wages, inflation, and debt. Wealth and income inequality is the norm now, and the middle class has all but disappeared. So Extraordinary America is about the abolition of financial slavery. It is about the financial freedom of the 99%. It is about the nation of immigrants and the descendant of immigrants restoring the extraordinary within themselves and setting themselves free. The path to financial freedom is through financialist education. It is through becoming entrepreneurs and investors on the light side. In this podcast, I interview fellow Americans who fought against the odds. Many of them came from humble beginnings to see how they did it. It is my hope through these interviews that the extraordinary within you shall awaken and that you will abolish financial slavery from your life and realize the American dream. Once again, welcome to Extraordinary America. Welcome back to the show, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. In today's show, we have our guest, Michael Hinkle. Michael is a very successful and experienced Navy veteran, serial entrepreneur, CEO, keynote speaker, and podcaster. He's the president of Skill Mill, CEO of Anchor 907, and the co-host of the award-winning podcast, Diapers and Deployments. He served 31 years and retired as the Command Master Chief of Medical Forces Atlantic. In his role, he had executive oversight of medical, dental, and other healthcare services to approximately 1 million patients via 26,000 staff and an annual budget of $1.3 billion across 100 hospitals, branches, clinics, and medical faculties in the Eastern United States, Europe, and the Middle East. He has founded and co-founded four companies in the past three years to include a defense contracting company, a real estate development company, an HR technology company, and a fishing apparel company that quickly turned into a consulting company. His latest venture is in Homer, Alaska. Him and another Navy veteran are building a workforce housing campus that will house 120 workers. The campus is on track to open before the 2023 summer tourist season. Michael grew up very poor and was the first person in his family to graduate high school and then college. He fought against the odds, served his nation, and embodies the pioneering, innovative, and entrepreneurial spirit that makes us extraordinary Americans, and I'm honored to have him on this show. Michael, are you there? I am here, my friend. Come Michael, it's, it's, uh, I'm doing good. It's really an honor to have you on this podcast. Like, I'm really glad that you, you took the time to do this. Oh, I love coming on podcasts, man. It's fun. You know, I have my own podcast. I just like the conversational podcast format. I love it. No, yeah. So, Michael, uh, I know that you're a serial entrepreneur, you're a Navy veteran, you're a CEO, and you're a podcaster. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you got started overall? Um, overall, you know, I grew up in a little town called Newtown, West Virginia. Uh, I had uh, two brothers and a sister, you know, a uh, four-room house, no indoor plumbing until eighth grade, you know, very modest beginnings. Um, and my cousins came back from... they. They'd been overseas. They were in the Navy. And uh, I remember being over there and I was 16 years old. And I, they came back and they were telling me stories of, you know, going overseas and doing all these crazy things. And they had a little bit of money. And I was like, where's this recruiter guy? I'm going to need to talk to him. Huh. So 
I joined the Navy at 17. I turned 18 in boot camp. Um, and now I have a beautiful wife, two beautiful kids. Uh, my oldest is an Auburn grad. My youngest is going to be an Auburn grad. It just an amazing life, Grant, an amazing life. No, that's awesome. Like, I know, I remember I talked to you once and you told, you know, you were telling me about how you grew up poor and then like you went from there to become really successful. Like you made, you made your, uh, like you made, you become financially free overall. And then you founded all these companies and everything. So can you tell the audience more about your overall strategic goal or vision, like the entire transition from going from the 99% to the 1% and how you did that? Um, I don't think I'm in the 1%. I, uh, I tell you, uh, it's every day is a struggle with business. And you know that, right? You're, you're one, uh, one day away from bankruptcy in business. It seems like all the time. <laughs> uh, for me, it was a slow process and mindset change. You know, I grew up, go to college, go to the military, get a paycheck, pay your bills, uh, save some money for retirement, grow old and die. I mean, that's just kind of my mindset, right? And that's the way I thought about money. For the longest time, it wasn't until about four years ago until I started thinking differently about how I was going to be, you know, financial independence and financial wealth. And we call it generational wealth for your children, right? And I never thought about that. I never thought I could do that. Uh, anyone can do it, by the way. You just have to have some sacrifices and some goals. But um, we started Skill Mill, me and my friend Noel. And that's really what started me down this path. I'm thinking, man, I can do business. And the more I started talking to people, the more I realized money always held me back, right? That's when I always thought I needed money to start a business. In today's world, that is just not true. Um, you know, my latest project, we'll go into that later, but I did not have the money for this project. I found the money because I had the plan. So if you're listening, just know that money should not be the reason that you don't start a business. So a lot of people in the audience would say that it takes money to make money and all of that, right? Uh, what would you tell to the people that believe in that mantra, like it takes money to make money? And In most statements, right, there's truth and fiction. Um, if you have money, it's a hell of a lot easier to make money. Let's be honest. You know, I can go out and put 75000 down on a house. The bank pays for the rest. Uh, my renters pay for it. You know, if you have money, it's easy. But if you have a good plan, a good business plan, even if you start slow with almost no money, I think a website these days is probably $30 a, you know, a month uh, and a domain name. Some domain names are $2 a year. Some are 20. You know, you can launch a business to, in today's world for a couple hundred dollars. Um, so don't let money be the reason. Some things you will need financial backing for if you have some big real estate deal. But like I said, the latest thing that I'm doing, I had, you know, serial entrepreneur you called me and that's i guess that's kind of true i don't think of myself that way but i keep starting businesses but uh and one of these days they're going to be successful but um i didn't i, I have zero dollars invested in my latest company um and it's going to make you know it's it's a multi-million dollar company already in a year wow okay so michael i gotta let you know that like your idea of like success and failure would probably different from like most people's idea of success and failure like they're just gonna see things differently like, it's all like a relative term right and so and so like i think most people would see you as relatively successful to them and uh, but like yeah as you're as you're saying like it's all like a relative factor you know there's always going to be some people more successful than us like who knows right. more and all of that but michael what was that one uh, mindset shift you had in that, in the, like over the last four years that 
uh, that led you to where you are today compared to like all the other years, like when you were um, just like in the military and all of that. And like you had the old mindset. You're like, what was that shift? And when did that happen? It really happened after I got out of the military because, um, you know, I had my pension. And, and here's, here's an advantage I have that most Americans do not have. I do have a pension, so I have a safety net. So after I had worked my 31 years and got my pension and was able, you know, I can pay all my bills if I never go to work again. So that part of my life is set. So now, you know, I could focus on maybe trying to start a business and creating some wealth in other places. Mind you, I did not, I pay myself for these businesses um, forever. And one of them, I'm still not paying myself yet. And that's fine. Uh, it'll pay off later and I'm okay with that. So at that point, I started thinking about at building assets and you hear about this your whole life, but the easiest way to describe it is, you know, if you have $70,000 and you go buy a new car and you pay cash for the car, you know, three years later, it's worth $30,000, right? Uh, and, and that's it. But if you put $70,000 down on a house, borrow the rest of the money from the bank, someone else rents your house and pays your mortgage, you know, three years from now, the house, you're going to get your $70,000 back and you can go pay cash for the car. And you have tax breaks. I mean, all those things, right, that everyone knows. I just never thought it was possible for a normal person like me. That's all. Wow, Michael. I mean, you say that everybody knows, but most people don't know that. Right now, I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people on my podcast, and they we always talk, like, we sometimes get to the conversation about consumer debt and how people are just buying stuff with money that they don't have to impress people that Guilty. They, I've done it. <laughs> no, I know, right? I mean, it's like it's like the ninety nine percent mindset, but we, like the entire part of extraordinary America is to transform the ninety nine percent into one percent. So we have to know what the strategies and the way of thinking of the one percenters are. And like right now, in the ninety nine percent, like there's a lot of consumer debt, right? People have become financially enslaved because they are buying the car with this debt, and then they have to now go and do jobs and like in order to pay that uh, in order to pay that back. But here you're, you're thinking of a new way and all of that. Like, what would you tell somebody that wants to transition from that way of thinking of just paying directly for the car? And like, then how would they get to that transition point and transform to like what you're doing right now? I will tell you, it will not happen by tomorrow. Um, it happens slow, right? Over time. And you just have to think about money differently. And I'm still guilty, right? I still will go out and buy stuff I just do not need. Right. It happens to everybody. I just, uh, for Christmas, I bought myself, uh, my wife's not going to listen to this till later. Uh, you know, I'm going to drone. Do I need a drone? Hell no, I don't need a drone. And I got me that, that new Oculus system, right? I don't need all that stuff, but sometimes I just, you know, you have to have it, but, um, you have to start thinking instead of purchasing a car, what kind of asset could you buy that would make the car payment? Does that make sense? Exactly. Like you're thinking in terms of assets. Like most people are thinking in terms of like life like cash flow right. assets, like, but like most people are thinking in terms of liability, they're not, they're not utilizing debt in order to like create assets that will like pay for itself and then eventually yes. make them financially free. So that, and that's like, it's like one of the biggest mindsets that I want my audience to know, you know, cause it is pretty important in today's world. It's hard too, right? So you're not going to live forever and you want to have things and that's okay. You, there has to be a balance, right? You can't, uh, I've, I've known people that have couple million dollars in the bank and they drive an old beat up car and they don't live 
right? And then I know people that live beyond their means, which we used to be me. Um, so every person is completely different. In, in this life that's this short, you really have to do what makes you happy. If buying a $70,000 car and being in debt doesn't stress you out and you never want to create generational wealth, that don't let anyone judge you for it, right? Uh, but if you do, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to listen to some podcasts, watch some YouTube videos. Any education that you want in this world is out there and it's free. You can learn anything you want online, fact. So if you want to make this happen, get educated. Your mind's not going to shift overnight. Uh, I used this app called Headway last year. The, I think the biggest difference for me in the last year was probably that app. Um, my goal was 300 books and, and it's short books, like 15, 20 minute overview of a book. And I met that uh, the first part of December. So I did 300 books and, and you do it while you're walking, um, while you're working out. Um, you just have to constantly feed your mind. It's like a muscle, feed it the right information. And it only takes one book uh, or one podcast or one person to change your life, but you never know when you're going to meet them, where you're going to get the book or where you're going to hear it until it clicks. That is, that is so inspirational, Michael. Like uh, I, I would, I myself like take a look at Blinkist and Audible. And like, we can actually like go into that. It's like an app. And then uh, we just, we can read books whenever. And it, it just gives all the major points and all that. But yeah, I agree with you. Like you have to always be in an educational and self-improvement state and always be reading and knowing more and like listening to more podcasts and all of that. Because yes. that's the only way we're going to get the education necessary to set ourselves free altogether. Yes. Yes. And, you know, you, you talked earlier about uh, success and I'm going to start writing a book next year, but, uh, you know, I, I compartmentalize success, right? You're either not, as a whole person, you're either not successful or you are successful. That's not the way life works. You know, you can be successful at your marriage and not successful in your financial world, right? Or a successful father, but not a successful husband. I mean, you know, in my mind, I compartmentalize different parts of my life as successful and not successful. Overall, I consider myself successful, right? But there's parts of my life that I am not. So you constantly have to feed your brain. No, totally. Like that's one of the things, like one of the reasons I brought into the podcast, because you're seeing both, you're seeing both the worlds, like you're seeing the world of like the 95 or 99%, whatever you call it. And then the world of the one to the 5%, like they have different worldviews. And then there's like a transition period, which is kind of almost like a purgatory, right? Like, like it it's is. almost like, you know, like you have like these two worlds that are separated and then there's like pros and cons in each world. Like in, that in the, in the, this world, it's like ignorance is bliss. You don't know any better. But then there's like that state in the middle where you're like, shit, I mean, I need to know more knowledge. I, I there's a whole other world I know, I know is possible. You know, like I thought it was not possible. Now it's possible. But then you're not there yet and you're in the middle. And now you're seeing the way the one percenters are living. And then you want that lifestyle, but you don't have yes. it. But then at the same time, you are, you're like not quite in the 99% where like you're like right in the middle, like you're in between. I, I know that I've experienced that myself. And I like, what is, what is that experience like for you? You know, you know, you, they say your parents get smarter every day. Um, and my, my dad passed away when I was 30 and uh, every, every day he gets smarter. Right. And he used to tell me, I thought different than, than normal people around, you know, I guess, but he said, you, you may not ever be happy, Mike. And I said, what, you know, it's horrible things to say your son. He said, well, he said, um, you're either so poor, it doesn't matter, or so rich, it doesn't matter. He said, if you get trapped in between, it's hard to find happiness. Yeah. 
Whoa. Yeah. Like, so, that is yeah. so deep. I, I already know. And for a while, I was so poor, it didn't matter. So I was pretty happy. Um, and I've been in the middle a long time, my friend. So I'm going to call myself out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I think, I think like, that's like one of the, like the reason I bring it up is because a lot of people like deep down, they're afraid. They, they have the fear of success, but more like they're, they're afraid of like the middle, middle path where, you know, like the journey of a thousand miles, like you going from yes. one city to another, right? The city that you have, like you've known this city your entire life, but you have to get to that other city to expand and improve your life. But now you're in this journey across this desert and it's, it sometimes feels lonely. Like the entrepreneurial journey is relatively lonely compared. Oh my God. Yes. Every day is a battle, isn't it? Yeah. Like what would you tell people that want to make that journey, but they're afraid of like the, the loneliness that comes with it or like that metamorphosis and that uncomfortableness that comes with this entrepreneurial journey? I would, I would always tell people take care of your, your bills and your family first, right? And if you can afford to go out and do a side hustle, don't quit your job tomorrow and be like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur today. That is not the way life works. Uh, like I said, I didn't pay myself for a long time and I still, I don't pay myself mostly now, right? Sometimes I'll take some money, but um, it, it's hard, but it's worth it that, right? You, you know, you have, if you've always wanted to do something, remember I said, life is short. You, you just need to go do it, right? The Nike, just do it. It's true though, right? I mean, I just, <laughs> I have to get out of my own way a lot because it's easy to sit around and say you're going to do stuff and not do it. You know, I have, I have getting things done. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard of that book. I have folders, right? Right here beside of me. And there's a, there's a folder, you know, things one day folder, right? And that friggin' book I've been talking about has been in my one day folder for years. Well, that folder's coming out January 1st, right? So it's time to quit talking about it. I just, and it's going to be as simple as picking up a pen or my computer and starting. Right? Entrepreneurship is no different. I knew this much about business. Um, and you talk about being broke as shit, man. Um, they tell you about this when you first enter the military. Of course, I didn't listen. I paid. I went and bought a Mustang, right? Because every young 19-year-old needs a Mustang with, you know, <laughs> fast car with super insurance rates this high. Uh, and an E1 of that financing place right outside of base and paid like, I don't know, 29% interest. And, you know, transmission went out and had to get a credit card right away to fix the transmission. Had to get tires, so I got a credit card at Sears. And I got in credit card trouble that quick, right? Um, and if you're out there and you're listening and you're in that kind of trouble, slowly dig yourself out. That's all you can do, right? Day by day. And then you see the light and you just have to chip away at it and then do a side hustle, man. Do shift, do Uber. There's so many ways to make 20 bucks an hour is easy to make. If you have a car that runs, you can make 20 bucks an hour, right? What do you, and how much Netflix are you watching a week? Multiply that those hours by 20. And tell me you can't start a business or you can't get money. But Netflix feels so good, Michael. Doing an Uber doesn't matter. It's getting, I know. Well, there's choice. That's a choice though, right? Yeah. Hey. Uh, I had this exact same conversation, I think, with another person that I was interviewing. And then uh, they, they told pretty much similar lines. Like, if you're going to do Netflix, like, you're not going to be you're less likely to be successful. You know? Yeah. Well, 
I disagree with that statement though. Um, here's why moderation, right? So I watch, uh, I watch shows with my wife every night. Uh, we have our like kind of two hour window. That's my time, right? Um, me and her sit down, we watch TV for two hours. So now if you're sitting down and you're binging 60 hours a week, my friend, you've got to reprioritize your life. When you said that, it was so funny. It's true. Mm. Hey, we've all done it, right? Yeah. How many Saturdays have I spent laying in my pool watching football, drinking beer, right? A lot of them. Uh, it happens. You got to have fun, but you got to make choices. If you make a choice that you never want to start a business, you never want to be rich, and you're going to be happy with your life, and that's your choice, then you should be happy with that choice. If that's not the life you... You know, you, you live the life you're willing to build, right? So whatever choices you, you're going to make, be happy with them and live that life. But if you're not happy where you're at, you got to make changes. No, I mean, I totally agree. Like that is, that is a must. I'm glad that you're saying that because yeah, it needs to be said. But, yeah. but my, Michael, what is the biggest lesson you learn uh, in your entrepreneurial journey? The, like the one, the number one top lesson that you learned especially during the, like the last four years. I, I would just say time management. You know, I, I spent so much time and clear goals. I can't say clear goals enough. I, you just, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. You've heard all these things, right? And everyone's heard them. And then, then you sit around all day. And at the end of the day, you're like, what the hell did I get accomplished? And then you look up and there's nothing. I have a whiteboard in front of me. There's nothing on the whiteboard that you said you were going to get done. Then you accomplished exactly what you set out to do that day. Nothing. Right. So just have a clear goal, have time and be where you are. And I think I said this to you when we were in Tennessee, right? My, my motto has always been to be where I am, but I wasn't good at it probably until my forties. Right. Um, if I'm at home watching TV with my wife, I, I want to be in that seat with her watching television thinking about work. If I'm at work, I want to be at work. I'm thinking about home. I want to be where I am with my mind focused 100% on where I'm at. That's hard to do. It took me a long time. But the only way to do that is to be productive when you are at work or when you do have a goal to get that shit done. So when it's five o'clock or whenever you want to get off work, that your mind is off work too, not just your body. So have a clear vision, get your shit done, and then be where you are. Like, uh, it's uh, like time management is completely, it's true, right? Like you have to manage your time in a certain way, but it's so difficult to do it, especially when you're transitioning from, you know, like doing like a career job and like, like a lot of people have difficulty with managing their time because it's, because it, because it's all about discipline, right? And like, that's like the, that's like the number one key to success, right? It's like, you have to be disciplined and you have to be structured. You got to get things done in a certain period of time. And like most people, they, it goes it, like, they don't have that uh level of discipline to do that you know i don't some days right ever i think everyone's guilty for most days i do now i just i i want to move and in order to move forward you you have to have a goal and you have to have a vision and you have to manage your time effectively uh, and clear your mind so so michael what was the greatest challenge you had during like in the while like you were fine like working on your businesses and how did you overcome it my greatest challenge was me. Uh, I, I call it laziness or just ineffectiveness or you know, uh, 
just not doing the work that it took really to get things done. Uh, setting okay goals, not smart goals, and kind of just chipping away at the days instead of grinding at the days. Um, you know, if you want to make if you want to make time or you want to make money or whatever it is, then you have a clear vision of when you want that. It's probably going to happen. If you don't, I just spent a couple of years. You know that apparel company is a great example. I started it. I did Shopify. I kind of half-assed it. Didn't really make any money, but I learned a lot, right? And I put that behind me and moved on. I'm, I will say I'm pretty good at failing and being like, oh, well, shit, that didn't work, right? And, and you got to be good at failing, honestly, to be in business. I think you know that. No, I, yeah. I love that you, I love that you mentioned that because like, you know, a lot of people are afraid of failure, but like the way you see it and other entrepreneurs see it is that it's just a stepping stone to success. It's data collection. You have it to is. fail. You got to learn. And then you just yeah. got to keep failing and failing until you start succeeding. But most people, yeah. they hit that roadblock and then they fail and they're like, oh, I'm done. Oh, hey. my environment is crap. Hey, guess oh, guess oh, who's not good at, guess who's not good at selling t-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> And you know why though? This is cliche too. Everyone tells you this, but I wasn't really into it. It wasn't really a passion of mine, right? It was more like a way to make money. If you're searching for money, don't go into business. Just friggin' keep, collect your paycheck and don't even start, right? You'll be miserable. Fact. But if you find something you think, man, this is going to be fun, right? Well, now you have a business. I mean, that's like the one common theme that I find with everybody I interview is you have to be passionate about what you're doing. And like, you got to make your passion or like, like it starts out as a side hustle, but then they, you monetize it and then you make it grow big. Uh, but it's really difficult for people for some reason. Like they're, it's almost like our society has like trained us to be robotic to like basically serve other people's dreams when instead it should have been geared around how to serve, how to like fulfill our own dreams and monetize that so that we can live the best life possible. Well, someone explained entrepreneurship to me at pretty simple. They said, listen, the reason you have to have passion is someone can either pay you 40 or $50 an hour to work for 40 hours a week, or you can start a business and work for yourself for about 120 hours a week and get paid about 20 bucks an hour, maybe 10. Uh, but if you love it, I'm like, Shit, that's true. That's true. I work 100 hours a week, so I don't have to work 40 for somebody else. Isn't that some bullshit? <laughs> I mean, I mean, but like, you know, like right now, like one of the reasons I started this podcast is because a lot of people are working like 60 to 80 hours a week, like two to three jobs. They don't even love yeah. their job. They're just yeah. trying to make ends meet. So what you're, what you're saying is like, at least you're passionate about it. Like a lot of people, they're doing all those hours, but they don't need passion. They're, it's almost like a zombie apocalypse or something of just like. I got to be honest though. I'm not working that much now. I I told you about balance and everyone says it's not possible. It is possible. Um, I probably put in about 30 to 40 hours a week. Um, try not to work on weekends at all because um, that's my family time. So I could get rich a hell of a lot faster if I wanted to. Not that important because I still have a, a child at home. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some balance. No, totally. Like, I, I think like you have a family and you're also doing yeah. business. Like a lot of people say, like a lot of people would be afraid to even start a business and like start ventures because they have to pay for their family and their kids 
and there's a lot of responsibility. So what you're doing is actually a huge risk. I mean, like you have to take like big risks in order to do that because you're like a family and then it's like, like what if like you financially fail and all that stuff, right? Yeah, that's always in the back of your mind. But, you know, there's certain, I, I set boundaries too. And you should set boundaries if you start in business. You know, my, I'm calling the tripwire. I was never going to put my house up as collateral for a business loan. And I was never going to do anything to affect my retirement money because that part of my life is completely separate from my business life. If a business goes bankrupt, I will not. When you go to putting your house up for collateral and getting this big ass loan on a project you're not sure about and interfering with your family, things get different for me. Some people will do that. Some people are really risk is no big deal to them. You know, I'm kind of risk averse ish, but, but not, not completely. Does, does that make sense? I mean, but there's boundaries I won't cross. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I don't know myself cause I don't have a family, but like for a lot of people, like they, uh, if they had families, like their wife would tell them not to do this business, don't risk it. What if you fail? Like, oh, there's like yeah. a lot of circumstantial pressure that most family men would have, but you're somehow like you have somehow like averted those uh, circumstantial pressures in a way, or maybe like your family was supportive of, you know? Well, it's a, it's a conversation that you have with your family. If you, you know, I was very honest with my wife and told her what I would and would not risk. I mean, if you're married, then that's your partner. Then you got to be on board with her, him like a hundred percent or it's not going to happen. Um, and of course you're afraid to tell people you're starting a business. So many friends will tell you that's not going to work. And you know, you don't know if it's jealousy or you don't know if it's just them being, they just want you to, they want you to be down in the pit with them working at oh, what the, cra the crab bucket mentality. Like they, yeah. like, like, it's like everybody's down together. Yeah. I, I have lucky for me again, uh, when it comes to friendship, you know, that part of my life is very successful. I have a group of friends that are very close to me that, you know, not business owners, but mostly military friends. And, you know, I've still have the same best friend since kindergarten. Um, so I have a really good, strong friend group that didn't do that to me, but I had some friends who did, of course, but you know what? They don't pay my bills. So they have no say in what I do. Right on. <laughs> yeah. If they make, they start making my house note, maybe they can give me some advice. <laughs> no, see, like I, I want my audience to know that like, if your friends are not helping you financially or whatever, like, why are you letting them affect your life? You know, like you need to like the, the only people that you should like give her a chance is like people that love you unconditionally. You know, most yes. people let the opinions of others who really don't care if they live or die affect their lives. And it's crazy. Like, why would yeah. you do that? You know, like don't care about what they think. Cause like, they're not going to affect your life. They're not going to pay your bills, you know? No. And they probably won't even show up to your funeral. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, look around and figure out if you, if you passed away tomorrow, who would come to your house the next day and make sure your wife and kids were okay? Those people matter. Everyone else doesn't matter. Right on. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So on, on a different note, Michael, um, you know, America is the land of free and the place where dreams are made. Do you agree or disagree with that? I completely agree. And it's all, it's all about motivation and how hard you want to work. I mean, I had nothing, right? Um, it is the land of opportunity. Like how many people come here and make, you know, 
we talk about money and wealth and all that, but not just, just take all that stuff away for a minute. Look how many people come here and make a great life for themselves and their kids and live in a nice, comfortable home, right? They don't starve. Those things may sound simple to me and you, but I've been around the world and having a house with air conditioning and a refrigerator full of food, there's people all over the world that would kill for that. So be thankful for what you got. And this, you can have it here. Michael, I totally get it. Like uh, I myself, came here as an immigrant, right? And I became a naturalized citizen and I saw the contrast. But a lot of people are over, uh, like that were natives over here, like they already grew up in that environment of abundance or like relative abundance where like, you know, it's a consumer debt, you get all this stuff. And uh, they don't really, they don't, they don't appreciate as you're, as you're, as you're yeah. saying, you know? It's horrible. I hate the, I hate the American welfare system. I hate, I hate the way that we give people things now. No one should starve to death. Everyone should have affordable health care, all those normal things. But I mean, everyone doesn't need a new car, right? I mean, you got to work for a living if you can. I, I hate the way that some people are spoiled and parents, right? it's their fault too. If, if your kid doesn't know the value of work, guess what? It ain't your kid's fault. It ain't the teacher's fault. It's not because they're a millennial. It's not because of what year they were born. It's because of what happened at your house. That's our responsibility to teach our kids uh, that what we have is not normal. Yeah, well, like, you know, like in today's society, like we give, the, like they're giving the kids like participation trophies and all of that. Like what's your, I get, what'd be, no, no, you oh. earn a trophy. You know what? If everyone gets one, what value does it have in your life? And here's where people fail. You know, if you're told your whole life, you can be an astronaut, right? and you're great and you can do anything you want and your parents know that you have asthma and you can barely walk 10 feet, who are you doing a disservice to? Kid's not going to be an astronaut. Be honest with people. You know, I, I, I forget what book it was. It wouldn't, he said, you can't judge a fish by its ability to climb a ladder. I mean, you can't be anything you want, but you can be successful. Fact, right? So I don't believe in participation participation trophies. I don't be, believe in telling kids they can do anything they want um, within reason, of course. Um, yeah, it's bullshit is what it is. No, I mean, I would, I would, what you're saying is making sense, but like a lot of people, like, you know, like the crap, as we were talking about the crab bucket mentality, like let's say you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a businessman, they'll tell you the exact same thing. So what, like that we have to know when to differentiate one from the other, right? Like what, what would that look like for you? I think you're asking about emotional intelligence. So, you know, you, you do have that little voice inside of you. I think everyone does. And they know when someone's being just an asshole or someone's giving you some pretty good advice. And I think you're just afraid to listen to it. Right. If someone's telling you it's not going to work, let's say that someone's telling you this t-shirt thing is not going to work because they've done it three times. And here's a list of reasons. And here's my, here's my financial data. You probably want to sit down with this guy and be like, hey, here's where you made a mistake. I'm glad you told me that because I won't make all those mistakes. You know? Or someone's just like, oh, that shit's never going to work. Why? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, okay. And probably not listening to this one, you know. Um, but I don't know. Just it's as you get older, it's just experience of listening to the right people. And you know who they are. There's no magic formula. You can't read that in a book, but. You know, but Michael, it, 
yeah. in in my in my life, I've had a lot of people that were pretend friends. Like they 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 yeah. they posed as a good friend, but literally they're like a hidden enemy sort of thing. Like they just they're like deeply jealous and they want to bring you down. So that like it's difficult for people to differentiate between one or the other. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Though. It's it's easier for other people to see too. If I hung around you for a week and saw your friends, I would automatically know who's there for the right reason, I think, right? You, it may be easier for even me to spot. Um, so if you have a really good friend telling you, too, that, hey, you know, so-and-so is a hanger. They're just here in case you get rich. You're like, oh, time, time to cut bait with that one, right? Uh, I don't know. It's always been easy for me to spot people that are genuine. No, I mean, yeah, it does take a level of like emotional intelligence, but it's all, it also takes like experience as well, I suppose, like life, you know? And, uh, and so Michael, um, you know, a lot of Americans, like they want to realize the American dream, but a lot of people, they're not able to, uh, like, what do you think is the biggest hurdle that Americans face when it comes to realizing the American dream and how would they overcome it? Education is the biggest hurdle. They don't teach you about any of this in school. Um, Everyone's like, get an IRA. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's not going to solve your problem. Um, they don't teach you about finances in school because of the way the banking system is. They don't want everyone, if everyone knew about it, well, one percenters, you know, what would they do? Everyone can't be one percenter. Education is your friend. You, you know, they can take away your house. They can take away a lot of things, but they can't take away your education. Once you know something, you know it. So educate yourself at a young age. That is that is deeply motivational. Yes. No, I, I agree with you. Like education is key, like education and yeah. self-improvement. Like they could take away everything, but they cannot take away the knowledge that you're, that you have attained, you know? Yeah. They say the first million is the hardest. That's the one I'm still working on. So then if I get good at it, I can lose it and I get another one, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. So let's say like right now, you know, like a lot of Americans are facing uh, in, like over the period of 2022, they faced a lot of inflation mm. and combined with like the consumer debt, like it's making them poor and poor. Like from yeah. your perspective, how, sh what, how should most Americans go about the current situation in the nation? There's only one thing you can do, right? It's about cash flow. You either need more money or you need to cut back your expenses. Those are your two options because inflation is not, going away right now you know, a loaf of bread you know how much a loaf of bread costs uh, if it was a dollar it's probably two now i mean and if you have the same amount of income and your expenses are going up you probably can't have steak twice a week right you're probably going to have to eat hamburger or bologna i mean that that's a fact uh, unless you go out and find a way to get more money there's just no way there's no magic yeah you know? that that that's there houses my my daughter just built her house you know interest rates oh my god interest rates on on the houses for for we grew up with uh when i was younger it was nothing to pay eight or ten percent but you know that hadn't been that way in years but you know it was down to 2.9 percent at one time i think i don't know great but now it's up to seven and think how much that in, increases a house payment that's four or five hundred dollars extra a month for a modest you know $250,000 home or $300,000 home. Um, that's an extra five, 600 bucks a month. So. Yeah. I mean, in that case, like, like I, I was talking with another person uh, on the show and then they mentioned that you utilize your house uh, as a rental property and then you get people to rent uh, like the places 
and then like the house pays for itself and over time the house appreciates so so it's all about it's all about like the right strategies and then i i also mentioned that show like okay you have to like you have to like get uh like going to like precious metals because in order to protect your purchasing power gold and silver historically have been able to protect your purchasing power in the long term i mean now there's cryptocurrency so the whole ball game has changed so we don't know how it's going to be in the future but historically gold and silver have already uh, all this catch up with inflation eventually well you just mentioned all that stuff and that's one of the problems right if you're a young investor or even a new investor no matter what your age is because i was a new investor people will tell you to invest in gold invest in silver go buy real estate buy bitcoin people will say never buy bitcoin whatever you do don't buy any gold and silver stock market shit you can find any advice you're willing to listen to on anything so you have to do your own research and be comfortable with your own investments real estate now i'm going to tell you my wife when it comes to rental properties she don't want no rental properties to her all she thinks about is there was a horse living in a in a uh, a garage in St. Mary's, this person rented out their house and they moved the horse into the house. She goes, Hey, you have to deal with tenants like that, right? Um, uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 what? Whoa, what? Somebody, yeah, somebody they moved a horse into the garage. Yeah, you can imagine how the garage looked and smelled, but um, oh, you know, that's that's her vision of, of that, right? She was like, I had no rental property. Um, so very uncomfortable with rental properties, right? Bitcoin, I have Bitcoin, I'm comfortable with Bitcoin and it freaking goes up and down and uh, the reason i'm comfortable with it because the money that i have in it i don't have much in it is money that it's like going to vegas it's there and if it's all gone tomorrow i can still eat that's why i'm comfortable with it if i was counting on bitcoin i'd be screwed right i'd be i'd be a wreck i wouldn't be able to sleep because it fluctuates so much so you get a ton of advice from a ton of different people and want to buy and every person that comes on your podcast has a different view you have to figure out what you want to invest in and then you have to invest in it. I mean, that's, that's just, it's that easy. No, I totally, I mean like education, like doing your own research. Yeah. Like it has to be like, you have to do your own diligence, uh, diligent research and like figure, figure it out. And, and you may be completely wrong. <laughs> right. You may invest it and be like, damn, I messed that up. Right. Yeah. But but what is certain though is that yeah there is there has been inflation and that there has been yep. like like people are uh like they have to figure out a way to adapt you know otherwise they're not going to be able to like pay their bills in a period of time because you know I was doing research on monetary systems and every fiat currency has so far gone to zero historically you know like uh like the U.S. dollar is right now yeah fiat currency so how long before you know, like the monetary system changes. I don't know. Um, we will be in a digital currency world, you know, in my kid's lifetime, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, but like not, not many people know how that looks like. It's like, it's like an unknown future and, uh, it's, it's a, almost like a wild, wild west situation. Like when it comes it to looks like, it looks like you're holding up your arm and then, you know, taking one of those Walmart scanners and you're like, you're losing points out of your bank account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it sounds, uh, funny, but. You know, you never know, and it won't, you won't be able, you will not be exchanging currency, but, you know, my, in my kid's lifetime, I think that'll go by the wayside and it'll be digital. That's my personal opinion. No, I, I think the future is digital as well, but I don't know if it's going to be Bitcoin or another state sanctioned cryptocurrency, but at some point that will be Maybe. the future. 
you know it can't be an unregulated currency, then how would they control us? See, now that's the thing, right? <laughs> uh, that's the one of the biggest fears I would have. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, it's like you know, like they can utilize a cryptocurrency to basically see what we're doing and how we're using our transactions and all that. And so, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a really it's a really exciting but scary uh, thought at the same time. You know, it is. You know what though? Change is the only constant. So I'm ready. Bring it on. And let's we'll see Bitcoin go up a little bit before they flatten it out. I need some more money. <laughs> yeah. So Michael, uh, can you tell me and the audience a little bit more about your podcast, like the diapers and deployments, and a little bit more about the premise of how it got started? You know, uh, with Skillmill, my veteran hiring company, uh, HR tech slash HR technology company. Um, we, we were really looking for a way to reach better in community and everyone's like, you know, start a podcast, do a Ted talk. You know, and I'm going to do a Ted talk next year at some point, I think too, we'll see. But, um, I was like, man, podcast that, you know, no else said you should, you and Serena should start a podcast. Serena was, so in the Navy, you have what's called an ombudsman. And for the audience that didn't know about that. So when the ship would go out to sea, and at that point it was all males on submarines. So when we would all go out to sea. One of the spouses, one of the wives would volunteer and it's called an ombudsman. And she would basically be the liaison between the ship and the wives. So if they needed something, they knew they could reach out to her and maybe she could help them, and put them in the right direction. You know, she wasn't going to babysit their kids, but she probably knew a phone number for them to babysit or she, she could get them help if they needed help. Right. She knew all the right phone numbers. She knew all the right contacts. She's an amazing person. Um, well, my ombudsman was Serena and we've been friends ever since. So we decided we were going to start this podcast together. And we said diapers and deployments because she said, you know, you were always deployed and I was home changing diapers, which was, so our view of the military is completely different. I was the one downrange and doing all the things, right? But Serena, her husband was also an active duty member. She was the one that was taking care of the kids and doing all the wife stuff at home. So she had to deal with a completely part, different part of the military than we did. All the medical and the, all the paperwork. And, you know, ask most military guys if their wives are at home and ask them where the kid's social security card is. There's like, a, where does the kid go to the doctor? I, I don't know. You know, that was me. My wife handled all that stuff. So, and we bring guests on the podcast that help our servicemen and women in some way, right? They have a program or they support them. We we bring them on the podcast and we just talk to them about life and uh, how they're helping the veteran community. That is, that is amazing, uh, Michael. Like, I think we need more of that, like, especially for like our military, uh, our military people. Cause yeah, like they, they go through a lot and uh, like they, they do need like stuff like this, like which helps them out and all of that. So yeah, what, what we, you're doing is amazing. We learn stuff. Honestly, every podcast, we learn things that we didn't know. There's so many people out there that help. So many programs. If you want to start a business, we talk about business. If you want to find some emotional support, if you want to go fishing, you know, for therapy, whatever you want to do, somebody out there is doing it and there's a support for it. There's, you know, you, it's out there. I'm just telling you. No, that's, that's awesome. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so Michael, uh, I know that, uh, like, is there like a project that you're doing upcoming? Like, I know you talked to me briefly about it, like in the year 2020 that you're going to, uh, do like a project at like, uh, is, would you like to give the audience a glimpse of that? 
Um, so me and my veteran partner, uh, Michael, we served together in Pensacola years ago. And then uh, we, we'd gotten back together because my wife and him were working together for the Small Business Administration remotely during COVID. And we started talking and he lived in Alaska. And we honestly, we started a company so we could help veterans. That was the premise, right? We're, let's, we want to serve again. So let's start a company. Uh, maybe we can do some defense contracting and get a get some kind of project going up there. Well, fast forward, it's been almost two years, but um, our only contract we got was we actually had a couple of people on. We had a janitorial contract for uh, in Homer. So we had some employees that cleaned bathrooms and that kind of got us a little bit of money right in the door and we were we were going to um, get a building we we through the federal surplus supply system long story but we were going to use this building to house some veterans because homer's an amazing place beautiful and in the summertime a lot of tourism we're like wouldn't it be cool to bring veterans down in the summer and let them experience homer that'd be awesome well fast forward we got access to nine buildings we we had this big, huge business plan. We were going to turn it into workforce housing because we realized in Homer that there's a severe shortage of workforce housing. And this is across the United States, by the way. So Homer's the first place we're doing this, but I'm not stopping there. So because um, the average person can't afford to live. The average worker, you know, someone, the person that's busting your tables, the person that's waiting on you, those people, you need those people. Right? And they, they can't afford to live. The prices are so ridiculous. And everyone bought all the good property and they turned them into Airbnbs for tourists. Well, with a lot of tourists and no people to work, what the hell are you going to do? Um, so we use, utilize the federal surplus supply system. We got these buildings. We got the land. We got a business plan. And by June, our goal is May, but probably June 1st, we'll have 120 beds, uh, 60 private rooms, some bunkhouses. We'll have a place that sleeps 120 workforce. It's called Workforce Housing Campus. So we're going to solve the the crisis, the housing crisis for the workforce. That is awesome, Michael. Like you're like, that is like a really amazing and noble thing that you guys are doing. Like, I, I really hope that it becomes successful because yes, there's a, there's a crisis when it comes to affordable housing in this nation sure. altogether. Well, and, and we don't, we're trying to keep the prices low, right? And, that, and that's the thing. We could take these and turn them into Airbnbs and make money. And, you know, that's not why we did it. So, you know, if you do things for the right reason, the money will come eventually, but um, we're excited that we have a place for them to live in a nice place, right? Not just, uh, you don't have 18 people sleeping in one house. No, yeah. Just trying to make it, right? Um, rent's expensive. I don't know how much it is where you live. Um, where I live here, and it's way more expensive than home, where I think it's probably, you know, two or 2000 bucks a month for a small place, uh, some with no indoor plumbing, but down here, a, a single person trying to rent a two bedroom apartment, it's probably $1,400 a month. And if you're making 15 or 20 bucks an hour, it's hard to come up with $1,400 a month just for rent. I mean, the rent has been increasing overall, like everywhere, you know, I mean, I, I think part of it is inflation, but uh, uh, like it's, but it's overall just been increasing, but the wages have not been increasing in proportion. And that's the, that's a big problem altogether. Yeah, well, we're our goal is to keep it very reasonable. Right now, I think we haven't priced that under eight hundred dollars a room for you know for long term rentals and various you know for summer rentals only a little higher. But we're excited. So just uh, June first, man. I'm hoping it's full.
Awesome, Michael. I definitely recommend my audience to check that out, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, it's brilliant what you're doing. So, Michael, where can our audience go to connect with you and get to know more about what you're doing? Uh, of course, LinkedIn, you know, uh, Michael Hinkle, so M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-I-N-K-L-E. Uh, um, they could go to, they could email me, I guess, michael.hinkle at skillmill, S-K-I-L-L-M-I-L dot com, or they can email me at michael at anchor907.com. Um, that's about it. Facebook page, you won't find much. And, you know, you could go to the Skillmill website. You could like Skillmill on Facebook and LinkedIn because we put out a lot of stuff. I did a blog for a long time. Then I, I quit about six months ago. But I'm going to start blogging again in January. So it's a pretty cool blog, I think. And if the writing sucks, you can blame me because I do it all. <laughs> no. No, I mean, no one's going to blame you for anything. Like, because it's, it's more about like mission and like helping others, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But, but anyways, Michael, I'm really honored. I'm really honored to have you as a, as a guest on this podcast. You're really amazing. Like you're truly patriotic and you're, you have the innovative and entrepreneurial spirit that makes America extraordinary in the first place. I definitely hope that you come back at a later time on this show in the future. I'd love to. And once we get up and running, I'd love to come back and tell you how successful it was or if I'm eating ramen noodles again. <laughs> okay yeah so i want to conclude this show by telling my fellow extraordinary americans that hey look there's an extraordinary within each and every one of us and it's our duty to awaken it and unleash it until next time bye for now hey there everyone thank you for watching extraordinary america if you like what you see please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with others remember that the best investment that you can make in your lifetime is in your own financial education for it is knowledge that truly sets you free. Also remember that uh, your purchasing power is being diluted through inflation and then the practical thing to do is to protect the loss of your purchasing power by investing in precious metals or the right cryptocurrencies. Also, never forget that you are an extraordinary American. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.